The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Nah, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, it's time to check in on the most surprising team of the NBA season, folks. Yes, sir. It's the Memphis Grizzlies. This has been coming a long time. I've been wanting to talk about them since, really, they've been one of the most surprising winning teams since they lost Jaw. Yes, the Grizzlies lost Jaw, and they're actually playing better. And they're not dead. They're not dead by a long shot. Instead, they're the hottest fucking team in the league right now. Yes, and I'm going to dissect like a like a doctor. Why? So go ahead, Brock, and drop that motherfucking beat. John Morant went down. With what I think many people thought might be a season-ending knee injury. Everyone, including every pundit, wrote off the Grizzlies. The season might not be over for Jaw, but the season is over for Memphis. Because at that point, they were 10 and 11? 9 and 10? 10 and 11, I think. And if they go on that streak or worse, say they go 2 and 10 if he misses 2... 12 games, or they go 3-17, and 17, you're done. That's night-night. Jaw comes back, and he's doing his best Derrick Rose impersonation in his prime, or Steph Curry. He's trying to be Batman, probably re-injures himself, gets shut down for the year, and then that's, that's it. I think that's what kind of people thought, because Jaw was, at that point, when they were 10-11, and 11, balling. 24-6-7. Led the team to impressive wins. They had a lot of dumb losses, but their wins were super impressive. They beat the Cavs. They beat the Clippers. They beat the Warriors. They beat the Nuggets, and they beat the Jazz. And he was impressive in ways that we discussed ah, a couple of weeks ago when he got hurt, right? Like, he was co-leading the league in points in the paint. 16 points in the paint per game. Tied with Anthony Davis, who is 6'10". Like, it's just like Allen Iverson type fearlessness and bounciness, like a guy who everyone said coming out of college wouldn't be big enough or bouncy enough to do those things and get to the rim in the NBA. So when he went down with that injury, it was just night-night. But here's what people didn't realize. Like, the Grizzlies have been building in one of the more unique ways in the NBA, in a way that's not built specifically for jaw, but to support jaw. Yeah, I mean, it's a unique thing because no other teams really... Like, for example, Damian Lillard. 
Damian Lillard has a team that without him would crumble. And Taylor Jenkins and this franchise knows that Jaw can be special, but he can't do everything. And we should have seen this coming because Grizzlies fans knew it, and they talked about it actually preseason, that the Grizzlies are athletic. They are super deadly, super dangerous, and they had a couple of players that were very underrated, low under-the-radar players that were ready to break out. DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain. Two guys that no one expected jack shit from last year, and a lot of NBA fans don't even know their name now. So we talked about them last year on this league as players to watch, but it seemed like only Grizzlies fans were really listening because I was getting a lot of heat like, fuck Desmond Bain, he's bulky, he's he's just a spot-up guy, like he's just all shoulders, he's like a shorter Dwight Howard, he's not even that good. But I mean... So and what, so this is what the uh, Drew Hill at the Daily Memphisian, what a name of a newspaper, when Memphis traded Grayson Allen to Milwaukee this summer, it was a bet that Melton and Bain would continue to get better in more expanded roles. Literally the reason that they traded away annoying ass, but also highly productive Grayson Allen, who is now balling out in Milwaukee, by the way, is because they wanted to find and free up more touches for Melton and Bain. Like guys that are largely role players. And as good as DeAnthony Melton has been, really Desmond Bain has been electric. Memphis coach Taylor Jenkins was clear from the beginning that even though Bain and Morant complemented each other well, Desmond Bain has been playing spot minutes, taking over now that Jaw's not there. And he is has been incredible. But he also said, uh, Taylor Jenkins, that their developments were not correlated or tied together. Desmond Bain is his own human being. He's not here to be the outlet pass to Jaw. He is his own guy, and he is a star. Desmond Bain was slowly evolving into a player in his own right while Jaw was becoming a superstar. And this is exactly what Bain said. After game one, after game one of this season... Last year, I didn't want nothing to do with the paint. I was strictly a catch-and-shoot guy, and then I would get into transition every once in a while, but Coach has given me more freedom, and we've worked tirelessly on this all offseason, so I'm now more comfortable there for sure. I don't know if I can properly articulate how hard it is for a head coach who has John Morant to think about ways to develop Desmond Bain. Like, like it's just, I mean, you've got jaw, and the fact that your head, your mind, has any real estate for Desmond Bain and how to develop him and how you see him as a piece of clay, and you're like, man, I, he's not just that. I think he could be this, 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 and this. I think is like maybe two coaches in the NBA are that way. Like, most of them are like, hey, uh, Gary Trent Jr., you sit there and stand in the corner for Dame. <laughs> like, it's like fucked up. It's literally like, hey, uh, you be a statue over there. Just be uh, someone who can be uh, basically like a, a robot, a perfect form catch-and-shoot guy when Dame has no other option but to do that because they crowd the paint around him. That's crazy. Uh, to not just throw all the eggs in the John Morant basket, but to make... Things like a, like a quilt, 
like in a way to patch people's game seamlessly together and squeeze the most potential out of every other person that they have. But Jenkins didn't just put all the eggs into Jaw. Jenkins also worked to develop not just Bain, but DeAnthony Melton and also Jaron Jackson, who's a star. 16-4-1 right now, Jaron Jackson. And Dylan Brooks, who, I mean, most scouts said Dylan Brooks had alligator arms. Dylan Brooks was not applauded or lauded going into the draft. Like, I love him. I think he's gritty. Even me would not have taken him in the first round. He was a second-round player. I think he was taken 44th overall. And people were like, ah, I think that's a reach. And it's not a reach. And now rookie Zaire Williams and even Tyus Jones, who is filling in at jaw, in the, uh, jaw at the point, is having a career year as well, 11-4-7. and seven. So his thought process was to develop a team and not to develop a superstar and complement him with a bunch of statues around the perimeter and maybe a rim protector. Like, imagine if Portland or Washington would have done this with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Like, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of scrubs. Just make magic for us, wizards. Like, make magic for us like wizards. And so when Jaw went down with the knee injury, that hard work ended up paying off because those guys got additional minutes and they got additional roles to it's like jock can't save you like when it's crunch time desmond it's your time to shine and that provides you with opportunities to develop confidence and become your own player and because of that grizzlies went were nine and ten at that point and they since jaw has gone out they've been nine and one only lost one game since jaw went down nine and one they went from 10th in the west to fourth in the west during that time that includes wins over Dallas, the Lakers, Eastern powerhouses like Miami and Philly, and even a win against Houston, who at that point was the hottest team in basketball. So do not, do not throw shade at that Houston win. Like that could have easily been an L. They beat Oklahoma City, hundred and fifty-two to seventy-nine. If you need to go to math school to figure that out, that's a seventy-three-point victory. That's an all-time NBA beatdown. Literally the biggest beatdown in NBA history. They're blowing teams out. The Kings by 27, the Heat by 15, the Lakers by 13, the Sixers by 35. Are you serious? Like, how are we not talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and only the Memphis Grizzlies right now? Like, they are fucking lit. And people are finally figuring out that the Grizzlies are more than just John Morant. I've been wanting to do this piece for a while, but there's been pressing items. But now, just this week, there are a whole bunch of articles that have come out all basically saying the same thing. The Grizzlies are elite. Here's another headline. Uh, how the Grizzlies are playing their best ball without Ja Morant. Another headline. The Grizzlies are grinding more than ever without Ja. Three reasons why the Memphis Grizzlies are an elite NBA team in 2021. I mean, I hate the three reasons. Like, I don't give me this BuzzFeed list. Like, be better, please. Be better. So why? The question is why. First of all, turnovers are way down. Josh probably his biggest flaw is that he turns the ball over a ton. Almost, I think, a little more than three point times a game. And because Jaw's not on the floor, the Grizzlies haven't been turning the ball over at all. Um, no shade to Jaw, but that's just the case. Second, they're clamps right now. They're clamps. Grizzlies' defensive rating in their last 19 games of the se- in their first 19 games of the season with Jaw was dead last, dead last at 115.1. And the next best or next worst, I guess you could say, wasn't even close. The next closest team was 111.6. 
That's gross. They were so trash. At that point, I'm thinking to myself, why did you even trade Jonas Valanciunas if you don't give a fuck about defense at all? Like, aren't you supposed to be getting Steven Adams for his defense? And they were dead last. The last 10 games, Grizzlies are now, check this stat out, number one in the league with a defensive rating of 99.8. The only team under 100 in that period of time. They're even better right now in that stretch than Golden State who is by far the best defensive team in basketball. It's insane. Here are two more incredible stats than that. Grizzlies are currently number one in blocks per game and block percentage, number one in steals per game and steals per defensive possession, from worst place to first place in 10 games. And it's not about jaw. Like A lot of that came because Dylan Brooks came back. Dylan Brooks did not come back into the lineup until Jaw was already injured. Dylan Brooks has been grinding. Dylan Brooks is what makes this team go. Offensively, the Grizzlies are averaging 2.1 more points a game without Jaw. Like, this is a guy who is number one co-leading points in the paint, and this team is still, without Jaw, number one points in the paint. That's incredible. Here's why I think, though, that this... Is something that you can rely on moving forward. One, Jaron Jackson. People didn't think he deserved his contract, $105 million I think he got. They were like, oh, he's got an ugly shot. He's too injured. He's coming off of a meniscus tear. He almost missed, I think, o- over half of last season. And now this year, he's taking six and a half threes per game, making almost 40% of them. That's elite. He's running off screens like a wing, shooting off of movement like he's Anthony Davis. He can shoot outside, and because he can shoot outside, then you've got defenses that need to close on him, which they can't really even contest because he's seven feet tall. They've got to close in on him quicker, which that means cross slash dunk. And he's able to attack the rim. Why? Because he's like probably one of the best, if not the best, big man that can handle the rock. Memphis is plus 11.9 with him on the floor. He's top five in the NBA right now, elite defense-wise, because he's top five in the NBA in block rate at 6.5%. So since Jaw went down, Jaron Jackson has put up 21-5 and five with 41% from three. And when people asked him, like, hey, uh, what, why are you so good right now? He was like, hey, uh, when you get home, why don't you have yourself some water? It tastes good. I'm a huge water guy. So... <laughs> The reason why Jaron Jackson is so good is he's just been increasing his water levels, I guess. I just need to drink more water, and then maybe I'll be seven feet tall and shoot 40% from three. Number two, Desmond Bain. Actually a star. Like, guys don't know who he is. People will be talking about him. Sports Center. Watch out for the Desmond Bain segment in the next 90 days. Off ball three and D guard. He slipped to 30 in the draft. Coaches will say, oh, nice kid. Big big shoulders out of TCU. Horn frog. He's exploded. On both ends of the court, Bain's usage has gone up from 16.1% to 22% this year, even with jaw. Memphis is letting him attack off the dribble more often. He's also a mid-range monster. He's kind of like DeMar DeRozan if DeMar DeRozan actually shot threes and was thicker. He's like, he's a thick boy. Like, he is a big kid. If you look up Desmond Bain and you don't know who he is, I mean, he looks like a football player. And he's still shooting 40% from three on nearly seven threes a game. Like, he just stole him. They stole him. Why didn't Portland get him? They stole him. Dylan Brooks, maybe the most underrated player in the league, also somebody who I think would have been great in Portland. He's maybe the best on-ball defender besides Drew Holiday in the NBA. And he's taller than Drew. 
When he's on the floor, the team has a net rating of 10.4. They have 113 offensive rating and 102 defensive rating. When he's off the court, it's fucking gross. It, 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 the offensive rating goes from 113 to 109, and their defensive rating goes from 102 to 111, which is a net rating of negative two. Gross. Dylan Brooks makes, the, makes this shit go. Fourthly, this team is deep. Xavier Tillman, super underrated. I barely even spoke about him. Killian Tilly, probably the only Gonzaga guy that you could even like say is contributing right now outside of Sabonis. But like, is Sabonis really contributing? I mean, really, is he? If they're not even calling him a star in Indiana, I mean, like, really, what are we doing? Steven Adams. Steven Adams is actually doing what they said he was supposed to do, like veteran presence, toughness that Valanchunas lacked. Like, Valanchunas would give you 20. But do you need 20 when you got Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman and DeAnthony Melton and Killian Tilly and Jaw and Tyus Jones? Like, no, you don't need offense. This team needed defense, and Steven Adams has been crucial for them. Also, we got John Conkar, who's been valuable as well. Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is maybe one of the most underrated players uh, backup point guards in the league he has the best assist to turnover ratio in the nba for the last three years running this year he has 119 assists to 21 turnovers that is disgusting that's nearly that's that's a ratio of six to one like that's some shit that you is like how how sway how they're number two team in scoring in the paint I poo-pooed Valanchunas trade, but you know what? Like Memphis is second in the NBA in points in the paint at 53.6, just behind San Antonio. I thought losing Valanchunas would impact them negatively, but it hasn't. Like Steven Adams, they're better, but also you've got Jaw, you've got Jaron Jackson leading in points in the paint as well. And Steven Adams, they're like, Steven Adams' defensive rating right now is 109 this year, which would have put him in the top 15 in the NBA last year. So why then... Aren't we talking about him? I don't know. You should be afraid, though. You really should be afraid because Jaw is coming back. How do I know Jaw is coming back? Because he's speaking in Spanish on Twitter. He's literally saying, I think a couple more days, un para dias, and then a hourglass emoji and a ninja emoji with two swords. He's coming. And before Skip and Shannon are like, next on Undisputed, are the Grizzlies actually better without John Morant? Should they pursue a trade with John Morant for Ben Simmons? No, they're not better without John Morant, but Jaw is coming. Jaw is coming soon. And that, my friends, should scare everyone because without them, without him, they're a top four team in, in the West and a top eight team in the league. With him, Fuck, who knows? Who knows? Maybe when we watched Golden State play Memphis in the play-in last, last year, we weren't watching two teams struggling just to get into the mix. We were watching two teams emerge as maybe two of the best teams in the entire association. And that's cool. Like going from bottom to the top in a matter of 12 months, that's something that all sad Orlando Magic Portland Trailblazers, and Suns fans can get behind. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We will be back Wednesday morning, early squirrely, with a new episode of the Heat Check. From all of us here at Odyssey and the Heat Check, have a safe holiday. I hope you have time with your family. Don't be mean to your aunts or uncles. Uh, Say yes to everything your mom tells you. If she asks you why you're not married yet, say you just haven't found the right person but you're still looking. Uh, Do not forget to download, subscribe, and tell all of your friends. Please follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. We will see you guys after the holidays.
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.